Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. I am Billy Embody. Thanks for listening. Boy, when we met last week, National Signing Day was in the books, and we thought, well, it's going to be pretty quiet for SMU and recruiting overall. But nope, Monday night kicked off Super Bowl week. Well, it kicked off SMU's 2024 recruiting efforts this spring, at least. In a huge way. We're going to get to that. We're also going to cover the big transfer edition that SMU got and talk a little bit about why SMU is truly recruiting at a Power Five level now uh, with its recent run, both in the high school ranks and in the transfer portal. So let's dive right in. SMU Monday night picked up a four star 2024 commitment from Dallas South Oak Cliff athlete uh, Jamari Cauley. They call him the wild man. Well, uh, he had SME fans going wild. Kind of a surprise commitment. Hadn't told anyone that he was going to be making a decision anytime soon, but said he wanted to put on for his hometown and go ahead and do that at SMU, uh, announcing the news on Twitter. This is a massive pickup for SMU. And I mentioned kicking off the efforts in the 2024 class this year, at least. That's because SMU also has quarterback commit Tyler Aronson. This is a big, big deal. SMU now has two commitments in the class of 2024 with at least one recruiting service, ranking each of them as four-star prospects. So you have Tyler who kicked off the class as the quarterback commit uh, and is coming off a really impressive season at Vero Beach. He's poised to get ready for his senior year now um, and and you know go down that path. But the big news uh, really is that continued pipeline from South Oak Cliff. It started with Kevin Henry Jennings, the quarterback who came in and played well as a true freshman for SMU this year. And then you also have Randy Reese and Abdul Muhammad in the class of 2023. Well, now SMU has a 2024 commit in Wildman, who ranks in the top 150 overall prospects on the on three consensus. He's the nation's number 11 overall athlete. He had offers from Baylor, Texas, Texas A&M, TCU, Georgia, Mississippi State, and others. And let's kind of run this recruitment back here for a second before we talk about where he fits in. 6'1", 210, coming off a junior season where he had a touchdown catch in the state championship game. I was there watching South Oak Cliff win their second straight state championship. Uh, he He kind of burst onto the scene as a sophomore. I think he had around 900 uh, yards receiving, almost double-digit touchdown catches as a sophomore, and then plays a little bit more defense this year. Uh, kind of get some snaps taken away from him on offense and still was able in the playoffs to make some plays. He missed, I believe, a game or two. I remember seeing him at one of their earlier playoff games. Uh, I believe it was against Melissa could be wrong on that, but he was not able to go. Returned in time to play for the state championship and had a touchdown catch in that one. Um, he is a just huge uh, man. I mean, he he stands six one. He's not tall in that sense, but he is built um, like a truck. And so for him coming in, uh, this is a recruitment that you got to give credit to Keenan Hall, Danny West, Scott Natty, uh, so many others involved in this one. Because, you know, Wildman is one where you can never really get too much out of him. So for them to have relationships to go ahead and get him on board 
is huge for him. Uh, they have a long way to go, you know, 10 months until he could sign a national letter of intent in the early signing period. But this is half the battle. And sometimes we hear about prospects that are so close, are so close, are so close, and never end up committing. Well, they did get Wildman on board. Um, he is a huge, huge pickup. Let's run you guys back. And we covered this junior day that SMU had, or well, I guess it, it could really be considered a sophomore day, um, where SMU had some of the, the top talent in the area on campus. And, and they had them there to kind of, you know, take them through um, what it would be like if they all got together and stayed home and, and played for SMU. And Wildman was one of those prospects who was on campus. And, um, you know, I, I feel like you look back at that day and it came uh, in November and, and they got them all together on campus. I mean, you look at the group that was on campus. Um, it was five-star edge Colin Simmons. It was, you know, key corner target uh, William Speedy Nettles, uh, McKinney's Xavier Philsame. Uh, Brian Jackson, both teammates of Keldrick Luster, by the way. Uh, you had four-star safety Aaron Flowers and and cornerback Alex Rogers. Uh, Harry Stewart, a key running back target, who's a four-star. Um, Kiwan Lacey out of Lancaster and Brandon Booker out of DeSoto. Wildman was one of those guys. And he has probably visited SMU. I think it's pretty safe to say he's visited SMU more than any other campus. So this isn't Right now, I would say one of those ones where you sit back and say, this is a one-off commitment. You know, they got him on campus and had him feeling good. This is one where, you know, I don't, I'm not even sure he made uh, a visit in January. He might have popped over to campus at one point. But that November visit, when they had them up there taking pictures in the all-black uniforms and, and really just being together as a, as a 2024 group of elite prospects from around Dallas, that's what caught his eye. And you go back even farther and he was on campus for junior day, or, well, a junior day, but a sophomore day, so to speak, back in April, 2022. This is a guy that SMU never stopped recruiting through the coaching change. Um, you look back at the, the coaching staff, like a Scott Natty, who was, here through the change, you kind of continue to recruit Wildman, um, you know, even when he was with Sonny Dykes and then Keenan Hall and Danny West come in and are just so key in this one as well. Um, SMU has continued to really build these relationships. And, you know, I don't know when it comes to Wildman what it's going to end up being, if, if he is going to stick or not. There are going to be schools that do not give up. There are going to be schools like Texas and Texas A&M and especially TCU that come hard after, you know, Wildman. I mean, he is a, a really impressive prospect, but SMU has the relationships to get him committed and, and on board. And you see Rasheed Rice tweeting at him, take my number, you're a dog, stay locked in. This is a big, big deal. And I mean, you just got to give credit all around. And, and this, this is kind of one of those moments where you sit back and you kind of celebrate a, a commitment like this, without a doubt, I mean, a huge, huge, huge addition, a top 150 overall prospect in the country on the on three consensus. Um, this is a, a massive pickup, a huge boost to momentum. And to hang in there in a recruitment like this, 
and just keep getting him around on campus. He was at multiple games this fall. You've got to give kudos to the staff. So now it's about keeping him on board. It's a dead period, so he can't go anywhere. Um, And then it'll open back up in March. He'll be back on campus there pretty quickly. And you just keep recruiting him and you keep recruiting him like he's uncommitted. And just don't change what you're doing because that's how you got here. Um, So, you know, to get Wildman on board, massive, massive land, and a sign that SMU is continuing to recruit at a a Power 5 level uh, in many aspects. And we'll talk a little bit about that on the back half of the podcast. But as far as how he fits, he plays wide receiver and defense for for Sock. A lot of them, a lot of people see him as a big wide receiver. I think he could be even kind of a shorter, you know, Y hybrid tight end. I think if he stays on offense, he's a mismatch problem. I mean, he's got athleticism uh, for days. I mean, he really is one of those impressive prospects that you see physically and running around out there. And uh, you can see why so many people do want him on defense to play linebacker and run around and maybe rush the passer a little bit and get after the quarterback and just be one of those versatile chess pieces on defense because he has this big body uh, that he, he, you know, will only, I think, pack on a little bit more mass. So I would say right now for SMU looks like kind of one of those big wide receivers, a matchup problem. They can move all over and, um, you know, just be a versatile piece on offense. But if he ends up growing out of his, you know, current frame, I think he's he's got a chance to end up on defense. But, I mean, it's just a huge, huge addition. Somebody who wants to stay close to home. We'll see if it sticks, of course. But, you know, this isn't a, a decision that I think came out of the blue. Came out of the blue for us, but obviously made calls right after the fact and you know, started checking around. And this is one where, uh, you know, his family's very much on board. Uh, there There is a lot of respect and, and love for what SMU is doing. And for him to stay home and stay close to home, is a big factor in this one. So SMU now has a war on its hand to keep him on board. But man, what a what a key, key pickup for SMU uh to get Wildman on board. And you know, I'm I'm excited to keep covering sock. They're a great team, great program. Kyle Ward and uh Coach Todd, I mean, just do an unreal job over there. So uh we will obviously be going out to sock to see Wildman and, and get his thoughts. He he plays things fairly close to the vest, but uh uh, gonna gonna try to get out there and and chat with him a little bit more about uh, what this commitment means to him and and how it came to be from his angle. But by checking around, this is not something he took lightly, and uh, he kind of did it in in wild man fashion, just kind of put it out there with this graphic and and a short message and uh, let it fly. So huge commitment number two for SMU in the class of 2024. SMU now sits in the top 25 rankings for the class of 2024. It's early on. Uh, but they do uh, trail just just behind Texas A&M, but are a few spots ahead of TCU right now uh, with two commitments on board. So Brett Lashley and this whole staff continuing to show their recruiting chops are uh, very much there. Another big pickup for SMU, Miami offensive line transfer, Ja'Kai Clark. He announced his commitment right after Wildman. Uh, I had actually gotten wind of it. Uh, late afternoon, I would say I texted Jakai after he tweeted out change of plans. I said, is this a decision? Do you need an edit? Let me know. And he said, yep, I do. Uh, he ended up using one that the coaches put together for him, but, uh, he said he was locking it in with SMU. He reunites with his former offensive line coach, Garen Justice, who was his position coach at Miami, where he started 39 games for the Hurricanes. He started 
uh, a full season, I believe. I think it was a year or so, two years ago, at right guard. He also uh, spent plenty of time as the team's starting center. This is a huge pickup for SMU, beating out LSU, Missouri, West Virginia. He had just told us he was going to take visits there uh, in March, but instead um, we, we kind of sat on the board. SMU's hoping that he would lock it in and not take those visits, and sure enough, he ends up doing just that. Uh, big, big, big deal for SMU to get this piece, and one that will obviously challenge right away for the starting center job and, and compete with Branson Hickman, but does give you a little bit more versatility when it comes to that left guard, right guard spot, and you can now you know pencil him in as, as a starter. I, I think out of those three positions, you can absolutely pencil him in as a starter. Uh, that's what he's coming here to do. I would think the early bet right now is for him to be the starting center uh, for SMU. So Branson Hickman now has a battle on his hands, um, and, and we'll see kind of how that goes between those two guys because you do have – Justin Osborne returning. So he's got that right guard position where he's really battled um, to, to secure that. Then at left guard, you have Ben Sparks, who they really like. But you also brought in Logan Parr from, from Texas. So now you have uh, kind of what we saw with Jalen Thomas last year in a sense, but more so on the interior of this offensive line where, all right, if Ben Sparks can't steal the job, will it be Logan Parr? If not... Could Ja'Kai Clark slide in there and steal that job? If they want to move Justin Osborne around a little, could that open something up at right guard? Then you have Branson Hickman. Could he battle and impress enough to stick in there? I don't know. We'll see. There are limitations at times for Branson, but Ja'Kai Clark is a big squatty center that it just is very natural that he's going to slide in, I think, at that starting center job. So some competition on the way. This team needed that one more piece along the offensive line, especially along the interior. After adding Hyron White and P.J. Williams on the edge, you have Logan Parr and Ja'Kai Clark coming in on the interior, as well as uh, your trio of offensive line signees in the class of 2023. So the offensive line depth completely revamped. I do think the staff would love to find somebody in the May window and bring them in uh, for an additional piece of depth because right now you have this group that – I would say is just is in a good spot. I would still say you want that one more piece, whether it's somebody that can play tackle guard, those four positions. I think that's what you look for, but especially tackle, you know, maybe a backup left tackle um, to, to kind of help Marcus Bryant. Uh, but, but this offensive line is now in a great spot. I would say for sure. Um, you missed out on Drake Metcalf who ends up going to UCF, but, uh, you added two nice uh, interior pieces in Ja'Kai Clark and Logan Parr now. That gives Garen Justice plenty of uh, new faces to work with along the interior that can you know, replace some of the guys that have left. So uh, big, big, big news for SMU to get Ja'Kai Clark. Um, LSU viewed him as somebody who could step in and play center guard. Don't know if he would have started right away for LSU, um, but he would have – at the very least, been able to challenge and be in the mix to start and play a good bit for the Tigers um, because they do have some concerns along the interior of that offensive line. Uh, as far as Missouri and West Virginia, they were kind of the same thing. Uh, they wanted him as a versatile piece. I would say the starting path for both of those teams would have been a little bit easier 
than it would have been at LSU just with some of the depth they have. But Ja'Kai Clark, 39 games started for the Hurricanes. Uh, when you're looking at risk and you're looking at uh, factoring that in with what you're going to get, you know, you look at what Ja'Kai Clark put together, especially the last couple of years at Miami, kind of a mixed bag. I mean, there's people that that certainly from the Miami side don't, you know, see this as a massive loss. But at the end of the day, he's somebody that started 39 games for the Hurricanes across two coaching staffs, um, or maybe even three uh, coaching staffs. And, you know, that says a lot. I mean, he started as a true freshman. Um, and then, you know, Rhett Lashley and Garen Justice and them came in. And you can just see it that they, you know, spanned this whole, um, you know, change in scheme and offensive staff and then started for Mario Cristobal. Cristobal. So, yes, they brought in another center in, in uh, the UCF transfer, but this is somebody that can really impact SMU's starting offensive line. I think when you look at this group from left to right, Marcus Bryant, whoever emerges, cream, cream rises to the top of that left guard spot with Ben Sparks, Logan Parr, uh, Ja'Kai Clark, Branson Hickman. Then you have Justin Osborne and kind of a slew of guys behind him. Then you have Hyron White with P.J. Williams backing him up. This is, I would say, the most talented, probably front starting five SMU is going to have had in a minute. Uh, it's also going to be one of one of the ones where I think the competition is now at that level that you want it to be at. Um, you know, Ben Sparks last year was just a little bit away from from starting um, and competing, uh, and we've seen guys that just haven't turned the corner as much. You know, Dalton Perdue kind of comes to mind, but he's played a little bit of ball. Uh, he's now your third string right tackle in all likelihood. So uh, what a group that uh, SMU has put together up front. They're going to look for one more. Um, and that'll be obviously big news uh, if they can get just one more piece to factor in to that offensive line. Um, and I think in the run game, that's where Ja'Kai Clark is going to help the most. SMU did not start off the season well running the football. They found their groove for the most part late in the season, um, obviously with Tyler Levine's emergence and even Kamar Wheaton emerging. Uh, but at the end of the day, this is a, a move that I think helps in the run game the most. Getting Ja'Kai Clark in there, a big body that can push some people around, especially at the AAC level, this should really you know, pay dividends in the run game, especially in my mind. So uh, SMU picks up another... Miami transfer. Uh, that is huge news uh, for the Mustangs to get him on board, and he will not take any of those visits that he was talking about taking. Finally, I just want to kind of start by saying this staff has come in and I feel like changed the mindset of the recruiting efforts at SMU. And what I mean by that is when you look at the players that they've brought in over the past, tr this past transfer cycle, every single one of them, you see it. And what I mean by that is you have starters, you have a captain in a Jonathan McGill, you have players that you're familiar with and know what you're getting in the Miami and the Liberty transfers. You have high-end developmental guys like P.J. Williams, a former top 100 prospect, Jalen Davis Robinson, one of the fastest guys in his entire recruiting class coming in with both with four years left um, of eligibility. 
and you you have it at a double digit level and most of them are for multiple years you have hyron white you have chris meganson um you have jakai clark just off the top of my head so you know just give me you know a, a, a little bit of grace if i forgot somebody with one year that can really help smu's uh, jordan miller um that can really help smu's 2023 season reach its full potential and that's how they they've changed the mindset with the transfer portal this cycle last cycle it was a lot of filling depth they took some risks um some guys that were injured that didn't pan out you know Bo Corrales for example you had other players that really didn't play at their previous stop and didn't have buzz around them to play and you know like a Cam Allen who could pan out, you know, maybe, but didn't have much buzz for him to play. Um, there were questions around David Abiara. There's still questions around him. Now you have a group that I really feel like as is all players who they they feel really good about. And they've turned away some to a fault. You know, a Kane Barong from Notre Dame. Uh, you know, very skilled four-star tight end, former four-star. But how would he look, you know, coming off his injury? Was he good enough to play right away and impact this upcoming season? They ended up just going in a different direction. And in the high school recruiting efforts, I feel the same. They trusted their board and the class was pretty much done in June. They had one more right before the season, Jamari and Carroll. They did senior evaluations and found Kevin Allen. They had LaModric Spencer very high on their board. If he can figure out academics, he'll sign and become official at some point. And then they had Adam Moore, who they recruited and had on campus in the spring, kept recruiting him, went and saw him this fall, kept themselves in the race, and they beat out Syracuse and others in the end to get him. Now you look ahead to 2024 and you have two highly touted prospects who have offers from all over the country. And that sets the momentum and tone for this 2024 class. I go back to what we were talking about with Wildman and that group that was on campus in November to visit SMU. They're not probably not going to get half of those players. I mean, you know, Colin Simmons, he's not going to end up, you know, Aaron Flower, uh, Alex, uh, Flau Alex Flowers and Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Flowers and Alex Rodgers. That's what it is. Aaron Flowers and Alex Rodgers. They are certainly in position where they got to keep chipping away and, and they got to make up some ground. There are some other players in there that probably aren't going to end up at SMU. You know, I think Brandon Booker, he did pick up that Texas A&M offer. We talked about that when previewing the 2024 class on an earlier podcast. It's a big offer for him. That's going to be tough to, you know, overcome. But there are players on that list that are realistic. Speedy Williams, or uh, Speedy Nettle, uh, Nettles, uh, the, the Dallas Christian corner, who's a borderline four-star prospect, who looked really good for True Buzz Gang. Harry Stewart, the Frisco Centennial running back, who's ranked as a four-star on the on-three consensus. He's been on campus a ton. There are others that... You could very well end up at SMU. But the mindset on this 2024 class, and I think this is the progression of this staff who, 
when you look at the staff that's assembled, I would say they're a lot of them are built on being recruiters. And that's not a slap in the face in terms of their coaching ability. We know Rhett Lashley can coordinate offenses. Scott Simons did not forget how to coach defense last year. He was dealt a bad hand. There were some days that they were far worse than they should have been. But historically, he's been a part of teams that can play some defense. And he showed that at Liberty as well. And there are other coaches that have developed guys. You know, Rob Likens has developed wide receivers. Rasheed Rice, I was with him last uh, two weekends ago in Miami. He said his best wide receivers coach was Rob Likens. You know, that that is the guy that got the most out of him as the guy he was closest with. And he had a Bolitnikoff type season because of it. You know, Keenan Hall is, is one of the original Dallas guys. You know, Casey Woods built that UAB program up. It's recruiting coordinator at Missouri. There are other guys that have been recruiting at a very high level. You know, the new addition, Maurice Crum, talked to a lot of people. A lot of people like what he's going to bring to the table as a recruiter. This staff is going to set its goals extremely high in 2024, in my opinion. I think you look at the group they've offered. You look at the groups, the, the group of guys that continue to recruit. They're picking up offers. They're um, starting to get high levels of interest. You look at Zach Smith, the Red Oak linebacker. He's now picked up, I think, four more offers since SMU offered um, and has really blown up. But SMU is probably going to be a factor in that one. And with the facility upgrades, with the potential to join a Power 5 conference, SMU is already recruiting at a Power 5 conference level. And they're trying to flex those muscle, muscles, whether it be relationships, whether it be NIL, they're doing it all. And talking with a bunch of sources, they're kind of done trying to take some developmental risks when it comes to recruiting. If they don't think somebody can play, they're not going to take that player. And and look, I there might be a guy here or there down the line where they might need to take and you know might make me scratch my head. It might make fans scratch their heads. But, you know, that's when it comes to you got to trust staff evals. You got to trust what their plan is. But at the end of the day, this staff is shooting very, very high in 2024. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of that that class Sonny Dykes kind of had put together before he ended up leaving for TCU. That's the type of level SMU shooting for right now. They're shooting for those highly touted prospects who they really think can play. And so far, so good. Uh, it's paying off with two really highly touted commits. Uh, next month, when it comes to March, they're going to be heavy on the junior days, heavy on uh, visitors. That's when they're going to really turn this thing up uh, into overdrive a little bit more as far as the high school recruiting. They spent a lot of time out visiting prospects when it came to um, continuing to recruit transfers. They still had to recruit Ja'Kai, Nick Jackson, um, others uh, this, this cycle. And then, of course, Adam Moore, they had to go see. But they spent a lot of January going around and building relationships at high schools and continuing to do that, continuing to prioritize them because that's what they really want to pay off in 2024. And so far, they're very much recruiting at a power five level. If you look at the last two months, 
you look around at some of the classes and, you know, people have asked me this question on the board, you know, what do you think SMU, where would SMU rank if they were in a power five conference? Well, it's very hard to answer that question because you have the fact that they aren't in a power five conference. So I can't just sit here and assume that, well, X player would have come to SMU if it was a power five in a power five conference. How would that positively impact players' decisions when it comes to whether or not they'll jump on board with SMU? That's kind of the tough question to answer. How much would that have changed? I like to think it would, you know, would have changed Adrian Wilson's mind, the Keller Central cor- uh, safety that that ended up going to Washington State. Maybe if SMU is in a Power Five conference, he says, you know what? They don't have a safeties coach, but defense coordinator is going to be my safeties coach. I don't know him that well, but I, I like what I've heard. And they're in a Power Five conference. I'm going to go there. We've seen some other guys who have just been so close through the years that end up just going to a Power Five school. Does Jonathan McGill, McGill go all the way to Stanford originally the first time around if SMU is in a Power Five conference? Those are just hypo- a ton of hypotheticals. But the fact is SMU is recruiting at a mid-Power Five like level. And I mean that in the sense of if they were in any of these power five conferences, they would be in the middle of the pack. Okay. You can have the impact if they're in the FCC, the staff is recruiting at a very strong level. They could be in the middle of the pack because they'd have the SEC logo behind them. You could assume and think that they would be middle of the pack in the SEC recruiting wise. They're in the Pac-12. Well, we already know they're assembling groups of players between high school and transfers that is very much like middle of the road, you know, Pac-12. Again, how would the high school recruiting change if they were in that conference? They could be maybe even a little bit higher. But this is a group that is no doubt, I feel like, showing why SMU should be in a Power 5 conference. Their pitch, their relationships, the school, you know, has NIL behind it, the school has facilities. You know, just just kind of talking with recruits that have picked up offered, they really seem to like the staff. And for the most part, they're offering guys that have a good bit of recruiting attention. So I'm really high on what this staff is doing. SMU is recruiting at a Power 5 level, and if if they can you know keep this thing going, it really is trending to be teed up for an impressive run uh, when they do get that Power Five conference invite. Because I do think you know between uh, the Pac-12 looking to expand, I think SMU is still in a very very strong position at this point. If they do expand to land an invite, I think it's the right move for the Pac-12. I think you're seeing some of the guys who really, really pay close, close attention to conference realignment notice that. And I think SMU is between the coaching staff, between facilities, NIL, they are investing to go that route. And honestly, it really starts with recruiting at that level. And SMU is doing just that. So we'll plenty more coverage for you guys. We're going to do our mailbag podcast later this week, as well as our next position preview for spring practice. We will catch you guys on another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. Please hit that subscribe button to our YouTube channel. Get us to 500 and beyond. Appreciate all you guys who have subscribed to OnThePonyExpress.com. Check out the site for details on our subscriber meetup Thursday night here in Dallas. 
check that out. If you subscribe, you can come on. If you're a subscriber, bring a friend. If they subscribe, you get a free month. So please head out to the subscriber meetup. Details are at ontheponyexpress.com. We'll catch you guys there. It'll be a blast. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the podcast, and we will catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening.